0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the American Scouser podcast. Uh, I am Timuchin, your host today, and with me, we have our regular crew this week, actually. Uh, first off, we have our Peacock representative, Mr. Paul Bickler, is with us. Paul, what's happening? How are you? Uh, doing good, doing good. Well, as well as I can, I guess. And we have our Irish contingency back. Uh, Jamie is back with us with this week. Jamie, how's it going? Great, guys. Great to be back. And as always, the guy behind the glass, pressing all the buttons, we don't know what they do, is Parker. Parker, what's happened?
1: Not too much. Uh,
0: What a week. uh, How things can change within, uh, what, like six days since we recorded the last podcast. Uh, We're recording this podcast on February 22nd um, on a Monday night uh, after the Everton game weekend, obviously. So uh, before we even get to the game and talk about everything uh, regarding the game let's start with you parker i know uh, you have your weekly trivia and it goes with the derby this week so uh, yeah let's so, start with you what you got
1: so this week's trivia is that we have a few players who were not alive the last time everton beat us at anfield who are those players uh, so trivia with a. I'm going to say players that were on either the starting 11 or on the bench.
2: Oh, okay. Off the Everton game.
1: Correct.
0: Huh. All righty. So let's start with you, Paul. Shoot away. And then we'll, let's take our guesses first. <sighs> and then we'll give the answer at the end. Keep the suspense going.
3: All right, Swag. So I like this because I have the shot. I have the easiest part, right? I get a chance before you guys. You guys have it tough, man, because I'm going to clear out. I'm going to get all the youngsters out there and look incredibly smart, and you guys are going to be sitting there (laughs) holding the bag. So let's just always let me go first from now on. Uh,
1: (laughs) Let's start rolling a die. Right.
3: Basically the kids, right? So we got to go. We'll start the back. Uh Kurt, uh, Trent, uh, Kavak, uh, Curtis Jones. Um, who else is like super young? Um, was Nico on the bench? I, yeah, I think Nico's a, Hey, it's not your turn, man. Come on.
0: Oh, sorry, man.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nico. He doesn't need help. <laughs> uh, I think that's all I got, man. Yeah. That's all I got. I know
2: I'm missing somebody. Jamie, who do you have? Do you have any to add? Who did he miss? Did he miss Curtis Jones? No, he didn't miss Curtis No, he Miros mentioned Jones. Jones. Um, Kelleher wasn't on the bench, was he? Um, just trying to think who he missed. Maybe Shemikas? Um he's, he's maybe touch and go. Um, yeah, that's about it, I'd say
0: think so. I don't think he missed any. We should have him go first. makes life easy for everybody.
1: Write down your answers in chat, too. That way, we have it saved. Paul,
2: why don't you just go ahead and write down your answers, and then we'll just call it quits?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I like that, because if I don't go first, I'm going to complain from now on. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, so- you know, we did. Keller, Cujo. Oh, wait. Keller wasn't on the bench. So, Cujo, Trent, Kabe. And that and then Nico, if he was on, I don't remember if he was on the bench or not. So that's what I got.
0: So, so I'm sorry, did you count Phillips? How old is Phillips?
1: You can't that's cheating, you can't ask that.
2: <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and okay, guess a group project
0: I'm, we're trying to do over here. I'm
2: gonna go ahead and guess <laughs> that he was probably born uh he's he's he was born before um the the last time Everton won, which I believe was '99, right? I don't
3: I don't think he was. Like I think he's I think he's older than we think he is.
0: Yeah, maybe because he's been around for a while. So yeah. I'm gonna go with yeah. What, what Paul said is what I'm going with. That sounds pretty. I don't think he's missing anybody in there. So stay tuned to the podcast and then we'll reveal the answer. Hopefully Parker knows the answer. Uh, so I do. at the end at the end of the podcast, we can like reveal the answer. Or just um, Google them yourselves and put yourselves out of the misery that I'm currently
2: in. <laughs> because Paul because Paul Beckler has pissed on everybody's parade and got them all
0: right.
3: <laughs> uh,
0: I'm pretty sure you got him right. I'm pretty sure you got him right. So that was the fun part of the, as fun as we can get that Everton game to be. Yeah. Um so let's start with you, Jamie. Um, just tell me like overall what your feeling was after the game, like once the game ends. Uh, I mean, I think all of us, we kind of expected the lineup to go out. I pretty much assumed that we would not have the two new center backs playing together against Everton. So I don't think the lineup was a shock, but I mean, obviously the result is not what we wanted. So like, I mean, what were your like, thoughts of the game in, in general?
2: It's hard to put it into one word um, that's not a four-letter F-U-C um, but yeah, no, honestly it's hard to hard to say this hard to even think it, but it was coming wasn't it? it if, if Everton was going to beat us, of course it was going to be this fucking year, of course it was going to be at Anfield, of course it was going to be fucking today um, or fucking Saturday, whatever it was all days have seemed to have rolled into one after that fucking defeat um but yeah you know it it's it's relentless and it should be because it's been 22 years so that's what they get to do they beat us at home that's that's it that's the facts of life folks they get to brag about it for the next 22 years because i dare say they won't taste um victory like that again um for quite some time because it just seemed to be the perfect storm didn't it
0: yeah it, it was definitely i mean it definitely hurt a lot more than I know, like a Brighton loss or a Burnley loss. Sadly, we have a lot of these losses that we can compare to now. But uh, how about you, Paul? I mean, I know, I mean, the game starts, we go down very early and they kind of like very stupidly, like a bad ball turned over and Kaba can't hold the line for a split second there. And then he's kind of like chasing and, you know, decent finish. I mean, not, you can't blame Ellison on that one. But I mean, what was your overall take from, I, I mean, the lineup is what you expected,
3: I assume. Yeah, and that's the problem, right? I mean, we talked about it last pod, it was the same lineup, and that's a problem. The problem is obviously that we can't rotate the squad at all without a significant drop off in quality. So, um, my overall impression I mean, if we just never look like the problem was, we just never look like there was a goal in it. And, like, you know, my first impression was, well, it's shit year. The system's broken. Ancelotti's a lot better defensively than. I mean, he's a he's a very good coach at getting teams to play well defensively and discipline. But I say that, and then they then the guy pops up on NBC. Well, Everton hasn't had a clean sheet in eight games, and I'm like, fuck. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But, so, like, the highlight for me was the amazing fish and chips I had at like fucking halftime. Um, but yeah, it was. <laughs> It was tough to watch, just because we never, never, ever looked like we were even close to it. Even though you know we have the quality to to score from nothing when we need to, it just never, it never looked like happening. And I think that was like the saddest part. Was like we got when you look at it in totality, we got what we deserved. Sorry
2: to interrupt, Tim. Uh, Paul, you lost me at Fish and Chips. Uh, why don't you go back to that and tell me where the hell you got them? And yeah, how good so, were they? They yeah, must have yeah. been so really for good. Those that don't they know. They have been really good.
3: For those of us that don't know, Jamie and I live in the same town. So that's probably wise asking. Um, <laughs> so, Jamie, I actually was held. The of all the towns. Also went right. Right. So I went to the London Bridge pub up in raleigh which is where the raleigh chapter meets and has games um and so it was cool to to go up there and see their little home stomping grounds great pub um the food was banging it was really really good so if you're in the raleigh area in north carolina definitely check in those guys you'll catch a match there hopefully it's better result than the one i experienced but uh, yeah it was summer man but the food was outstanding
2: yeah, absolutely. Big shout out to Darren Bridger. Those boys are doing wonderful stuff up there. So um, ever in the vicinity, like Paul said, go check them out.
0: Man, I mean, I, obviously the fish and chips must have been good, but really when you compare it to the game, it was the best part of the game. It doesn't really, not much to compare off. I guess i like go <laughs> off of that. but It could have been a, a live
1: fish from McDonald's. It could have, have been
0: been a, could have been a live fish with a scale still on it, flopping
2: around on the plate, <laughs> and it still would have been better than that.
1: So, Jamie,
0: I mean, we were talking about, you know, like using the same lineup and it's kind of like, you know, we've talked about this before, almost like feels like we watch the same game over and over and over again, kind of like Groundhog Day in football. Um, you watch the game and, you you know, it's the same thing in terms of like what we can create and what we can create. I mean, do you when the game starts, do you get that feeling like, man, we got to try something different or you say, hey, this is what worked. You got to keep going at it. Of course.
2: Of course, we want to see something different, you know, I, I totally get that. But the the thing is, you know, I'm sure there's a reason why Klopp hasn't, you know, they they get paid the, the big bucks to do their job. And obviously, in hindsight, I would say, you know, why not even play three at the back or try something two center backs, do whatever, you know, get the midfielders playing in the midfield, get the center backs playing their position. Happy days. Right. But there's got to be a reason, you know, it's a big game. Obviously, you don't want to just chop and change it straight away. So I get both sides of the coin there.
0: I think that's about my biggest frustration comes from, I mean, we'll probably talk about, you know, I want to talk about this uh, as we move on with the pod in terms of, you know, like the social media response and stuff like that. But uh, that's probably my biggest frustration. It feels like we keep trying the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And I mean, obviously now it's out of the question because we had an injury to Henderson as well. But part of me said, obviously what we're doing is not working. Why can't we just try something different and put Hando back in midfield, roll the dice, let's play the high pressure game. Uh, I mean, we had a case in terms of you know, at the end of the game, heck, it, it did end up being Phillips and Kabak back there, and it wasn't a whole lot different than anything else. And you got to figure, if we started with those two in the back, but Henderson midfield, I mean, we'll in midfield, mean, we're talking a totally different game, aren't we, Paul?
3: Yeah, I mean, I've been wanting Henderson in midfield since we shoved him back there. So, I mean, yeah, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, uh, we're going to play what if all year. Like, what if we had bought a center back right out of the gate? What if we had, like, you know what if we had not brought Jordan back into the back line and kept him in the midfield? Like it's frustrating, but I think, yeah, I think it could have been a different, I think it could have been a different um, result, you know, for sure. Like um, I, I talked about a little bit about this last pod for me, I think there's, I think there's a big psychological thing going on with this team where like they understand that half those guys that are out there in that team right now are not guys that are normally part of the starting 11. And I think that takes a, takes a little bit of a psychological hit when you're out there playing. And then you couple that with the fact that a third of them aren't in their natural positions. And it's like, um, I almost think you almost take that little little dip in quality where you go into your second and third string guys, or at this point, in this case, your fourth and fifth string guys, and put them in their natural home positions and allow your best players to still stay at home. Um, you know, And I think that that's the big sort of juxtaposition or, or the dilemma that Klopp faced is like, do I put my starting 11, my best starting 11 out there, even if if, if it means that I shuffle some of them into a need spot. Um, and I think we found out like the hard way that that didn't really work. I mean, because we sacrificed a lot of the way that we set up and play um, and coupled with the fact that we have seen the double down and consistently want to continue to play with the high line, even though we may not have the players to do that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think Henderson in the midfield should have been a priority. I think, you know, it's just one of those things. I now feel bad for complaining about that because now I just want him out there. I don't even care if he's at a center back now that he's gone. Like, well, uh, yeah, you look, now you're looking at a team that's without its captain and it's without its two vice captains and it's without it's, you know, Verge. So it's literally that team literally has no spine to it. It's got the entire central guts of that team are ripped out of it, including its leadership. So then we're like, man, why does this team look so deflated? Where's the energy? Where's the confidence? It's like, it's all gone and they've got to be able to find it. But usually you get that at Enfield when you're in top, in front of the cop, they don't even have that. So it's like, you know, it's just the perfect storm really. It is a perfect storm. And so, Jamie, why do you think that is in
0: terms of us trying the same thing? Is it just stubbornness? Is it lack of options? I mean, what is your thought? I mean, obviously, we're not going to know uh, for sure, but what is your feeling on it? Like, why do we keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results?
2: Maybe we haven't hit our head quite hard enough against that wall yet. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Um, in all and in, And in, I don't know. In all honesty... There's there there has to be some reason there has to be some sports medical reason there has to be some uh, coaching reason that that we've started these because you, you literally can't make an argument for why Hendo didn't go into midfield like it's argued as well like his injury was probably ha- going to happen at centre back quicker than it would happen in midfield in his natural position he's not doing what he's there to do he, he doesn't really know the trade too well so he's not the biggest of lads like either I mean it, it, it just boggles the mind there has to be a reason but um back to what Paul was saying when we which is a brilliant point like we are without our spine and it just made me chuckle because do you remember when we beat Tottenham um start of the year I guess and I, I said I was listening to one of the Tottenham videos and he goes yeah we're donut FC we've got nothing in the middle We've, we've turned into Donut FC. We have nothing in the middle. Like Paul said, we are missing our spine. We're missing Hendo. We're missing the lifeline of our team right now. And uh, I just can't wrap my head around it.
0: So, I mean, going back to the game, we fall behind, and it's kind of – I mean, we had some half chances, uh, a couple of, like, decent chances as well. And I think some of those are not going in partially because there's too much stress on the person with the chance because you get a score. You don't know if it's going to come again. I I felt like when we were going all gung-ho, especially the front three up there played a lot more relaxed, knowing, I mean, chances are going to keep coming. So you don't get this one, you get the next one. And that automatically helps you relax a lot more and be able to convert because, you know, you almost, almost like the game slows down for you and stuff like that. And... I feel like that's part of why some of these chances are being missed. But I mean, Paul, you're watching that game. I mean, there were some chances, uh, especially in the second half, there was like a 10 minute run where it felt like, man, it's coming if we keep this pressure up. And that's where the crowd is really needed to get that pressure almost like tripled. But I mean, if you could, you pick up the phone, it's Jorgen calling you and says, Paul, we don't know what the hell to do. Give me one idea how we can get scoring again. What do you tell them? Or do you just hang up? So, me and coach.
3: Yeah, I think <laughs> if I have a solution right now, the only thing that I would tell them is that we have to commit to attacking fullbacks again, like fully commit. And I think that's a scary spot because if you looked at the second goal that got scored, it was because Nat was sucked up all the way up the middle of the pitch and got caught out and that'll happen. Right. And that's what your big concern is, is does he have the pace to get back? Um, I think like we talked about this, like probably three or four pods ago when we had, we'd gone on a little bit of a mini run, like, we would rather be losing four three at this point than losing one 0 two 0 not scoring. Like, and I think we've been at our best. Trent's form is including. Rava is a bit of a concern for me because nothing is happening down the left, and I think that we just need to. I do. I do two changes. I would commit to attacking fullbacks, and I would put Genie in the hole right now. I put him in the uh, in the anchor spot.
0: That is a good one, actually. I mean, so. Jamie, I want to go into the second goal because this is something we talked about, uh, you know, like during the day of the game and the day after. in our like the channel and stuff. Uh, so it's a counter. The ball goes through. It's a penalty. Um, I mean, most argue that it is not a penalty. I don't have a huge problem with it personally. Uh, but I know you felt clearly it was not a penalty and it was just another one of those decisions that went against us.
2: Yeah, I just think if that's the caliber of a penalty, if that's what qualifies as a penalty these days, the sport in general, and I'm, I may sound like an old fuddy-duddy right now, oh, I'm parking back to the good old days when you could throw in a tackle, but <laughs> you know, if if that is genuinely, and I know the rules have changed this year, like intent is taken out of the 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 letter of the law, you know, and and to that fact, if the letter of the law was truly applied. He was stopping from a, a goal-scoring opportunity. That's a red card for Trent. Um, apparently, that's what the VAR check was for. I just think... I, t- I feel um, honestly aggrieved that that's... If that's going to be the caliber of a penalty, then it's a joke because essentially what happens there is he, he knees Trent in the back of the head. That's, that's all that happens there. He doesn't jump out of Trent's way. In fact, what he does is he causes Trent to have a concussion, essentially. Now, I I just don't get it, and and people talking about him raising the foot and all the rest. I, what the hell is going on? Like that if that counts as a penalty, then everybody talking about diving needs to seriously have a, a good look and hard at themselves because people are getting away penalties for diving. And every, Mo's been accused of that recently by a lot of other fans, not Liverpool fans, teams back home. But um, yeah, if if they're giving away penalties for people diving and for people. Getting need in the back of the head, it seriously needs to be addressed.
3: What did you think, Ball? Was it a penalty? It's a penalty for me, but that's part of the problem. Is I don't agree with the rule change. I don't agree with the rule in general. I mean, I'm like Jamie. I'm kind of an old fart. Like I I think that, like for me, you can't talk about whether Trent raised the leg when he felt him going over the back of them if intent doesn't matter. You know what I mean? So why are we talking about whether Trent purposely put his leg up? Like, if intent doesn't matter, it's a penalty. And by the letter of the law, it's a red card. You, and I think that's the problem. There's no consistency. Um, Luis for Arsenal gets a red card for, like, his knee grazed in the back of a heel, which I thought was just as soft and just as harsh. Uh, look, it's a denial of a goal-scoring opportunity. I get it. But, like, I think we've legislated ourselves out of the game in a way we've done in our quest for the perfect call in our quest for perfection and our quest for protecting referees in having no sort of gray area and making things as black and white as we can. I think we've almost painted ourselves into a corner. Um, Like, because for me, I look at that as a football fan and as somebody who's played and somebody who's watched the game my entire life, and it's not a foul, you know, it's not a penalty. It's a guy who tried to make a tackle, missed a tackle. He knows nothing about Calvert Lewis, in my opinion. He he knows nothing about it until he feels a knee in the back of the head. And of course I'm not going to, I'm not going to fall Calvert Lewis for going down. Like, I think he could have avoided the contact, but that's just my opinion. So like by letter of the law, it's a penalty and it's a red card. And like, that's my that's my problem with it because when I watch it in real time and even when I go back and look at the, at the, at it slowed down, it's hard for me to justify like, it just doesn't feel like it should be a pen, whether it's my team or not by society. I felt the same thing with the Louise call, you know? Um, but like, that's the way that we've written it into the bylaws. And, you know, it, as much as I don't care for baseball and as antiquated as that sport is, I think the way that they call that sport is, they have it nailed on in the fact that they allow room for, for things like that, for, for common sense judgment to enter into the fray, whether that creates controversy or not.
0: Yeah, I mean, my thing is whenever I look at situations like this, if I'm asking for a, like, you know, if I'm going to complain about a penalty that's given against us is if I if it was if it happened to us, would I ask for a penalty and a similar thing happened to actually money. I can't remember which game yep. all of these games are unfortunately blending into each other at this point and I expected a penalty there and you know I thought we should have gotten one and I felt like if Mane fell better if you will <laughs> we would have probably gotten a penalty on that one and I felt the same thing with this I mean I know I know what Jamie's saying and I like to say we are, and I'm going to go to Parker on this next cuz we are the old farts, I guess, and shit, you know, please. you guys are not even as old as I am, but I think we're more used to Before the game, totally unrelated, but before the game on Facebook in one of the groups, somebody posted a video of, you know, like old, you know, Liverpool-Everton games, you know, like how, like, you know, crunching tackles and stuff. And I'm looking at that. I'm like, man, like a tenth of that is a red card. Now yeah. we'll leave alone, you know, like the stuff you see there. But yeah, I mean I agree and I honestly when they back went back to it, I was like, Oh great, we lost Trent now too, because I felt it was gonna be a red car coming, having seen what you know happened with like David Lewis and stuff. But um I think that's like the biggest problem. You're right. It's if you go by the the rule, to me it's a penalty because he is obstructing. I mean, yes, he cannot disappear, but he is in the way. And it goes back to you know, if Loon takes a better dive, I guess, it would be less of a discussion. They would even look less. He literally gets... I mean, i he literally is trying to get to the ball, and he cannot. Uh, I think if he wanted to act it out, and he's known to, he's done it before, uh, he could have probably taken a bigger dive and, you know, gotten a penalty too. But let's go to the young buck. And uh, so he's used to the lesser tackles. So, and the probably like the more familiar rules like the newer rules. So Parker, you look at that. Is it a penalty? Is it not a penalty? Well, let me down kid.
1: (laughs) I mean, by the letter of the law. Yeah, unfortunately it is, but I really wish it wasn't, you know, I grew up watching hockey that, that was kind of the sport I grew up with the most and they've really tightened up in a lot of the same ways that football has. And it really just, it, it, it kills the magic of rivalries. It kills that intense aggression, passion, hatred for the other side that used to be in the game and used to be done by the players. And yeah, you can make the argument, oh, well, you know, they're getting players from all around the world. They're not just proper scousers anymore. And like, okay, yeah, I suppose that's a fair enough point. But like, you still won't see Trent making some wild, crazy, hard body check tackle intentionally just to get under someone on Everton's skin. And I I, I think all of these rule changes and all of these just softening of the game is, it's killing what rivalries used to be and what they could be, and arguably what they should be.
0: I mean, to me, I mean, we've talked about this before, I think my stance on this is clear. As much as I do Want the calls to be right, and it is nice when it fixes, a, you know, wrong call and offsize, whatever the case might be. I really think over the last few years, VAR has kind of killed a lot of the excitement of the game, at least for me. And, you know, I know a lot of people love it because uh, it's more about getting things right and stuff. And I understand all that. But when I sit down and watch a game, I mean, the whole joy of watching a game to me has diminished significantly just because you can't even celebrate a goal anymore you know you have to like watch everything over game stops for five minutes we're like drawing lines all over the freaking place nobody knows what's going on I mean to me it has become everything that I kind of made me start disliking NFL you know when I came to the U.S. first learned the game of football I really liked it eventually I was like man like the rules are so vague like what is a catch and stuff like that it has become that I feel like Nothing is clear anymore. Like, who's drawing these lines? Where are they going? Is it the arm? Is it this and stuff like that? And it really has taken a lot from the game itself.
1: Well, even beyond that, you know, we just saw with the Trent penalty, the ref looked at the screen for, like, two seconds. And he's like, all right, good enough for me.
3: I think I'd be be almost okay with VAR if I felt like the fans overwhelmingly didn't like it. Like, if if I don't care for it, That's fine. But if like the players and the rest seem to care for it and it was like doing all right, I would I would kind of get it. But the players hate it. Like and I feel like that's got to say something when the players involved just across the board do not like it. And it's not doing any of the things that it was really set out to do. It's if, if anything, I think it's created more controversy. I think that's where it gets like we have to have a serious look at like, what are we doing, you know?
1: Do do they have like a players' union like the MLS does?
2: Yeah, I'm sure they do. I, like that's it. the the players should be the ones who who are like listened to on this. You know, like like Paul says, when the players don't like it, something's not right. They've all complained about it. Like not, and it, it's not just VAR taking away the celebration of a goal. It's now affecting all parts of the game. Like tackling is just as part of the like a beautiful tackle is even better than a goal sometimes like it, it's it saves a goal that's even better than scoring a goal like it's taken away all these little things like it's just
3: has this it has to come good and i'm wondering what major what major superstar in world football is gonna ha- have to get hurt before they change the way they're handling offsides you know where they continue to let a clear off sides continue until the play's over like, somebody's going to get – there's going to be a major player who gets seriously injured in in allowing play to continue in those situations and, and until they even look at that. It's like – it just doesn't make any sense to me. Absolutely. You know, I, I think that's uh, – yeah, it's
0: like the most frustrating thing when it's very clear offsides to even the naked eye. And obviously, the linesmen saw it because, you know, 15 seconds later, they were like, hey, that was offsides, by the way. Well, okay, like, then why do we freaking play it? But I guess my whole thing – about like going back, coming back, you know, full circle. Cause I'm sure we can talk about VAR for eight pods in a row. Uh, if you dissect like different incidents and stuff. But to me, like the main thing was I, you know, we could discuss if it was a penalty or not a penalty at the end of the day, to me, it was like, it doesn't even matter. That was not really the problem. And I think that's like the biggest part. I mean, and not to say that we've been screwed several times, with VAR and different refereeing decisions throughout the season, especially in the front end of the season. But these last five, six weeks, if, if, as a fan, I just don't like playing the victim parts that I see where people are like, oh, it's the refereeing. There's no way we can win. I don't even know why they try anymore. I personally think that's bullshit. I mean, that is bullshit. Cause, and you know, like, it's like, oh, there's a conspiracy, you know, they don't want Liverpool to succeed and stuff. Guess what? We kicked everybody's ass last year. And they didn't start disliking us six months ago. I mean, it's a matter of, you know, I understand. And like I say, I'm not even arguing the fact about, you know, we can, how many points are being screwed out of with like, you know, dubious, you know, VAR decisions. But in this game, in the last four or five games, in this, you know, what, let's call it a slump, I guess, for the nicest way we can put it. I, I think refereeing is probably the last thing I would look at. And I think that's what the part that bothered me the most was people, you know, looking at that and making that the focus. And I think the problem I have personally with that is if you make that the focus, that's why you keep doing the same shit over and over again. Cause you don't think it's what you're doing. It's like these outside sources that's affecting it. And to me, that's not the reason. That's not why we are struggling right now. Crisis,
2: crisis, call it what it is. It's a crisis. Everybody said crisis back home crisis, this crisis, that Liverpool are in a fucking crisis. I mean, you're, you're absolutely not wrong. All that, whether to and, and, and heather here and there like bullshit like what if this had happened and maybe there is a conspiracy yes the the thing is it's not just one problem there's many problems it's so yeah i get all of that but it, it's not like well there's no way you're gonna be able to put what your finger on one of the problems the referee an issue yeah it's an issue it's not the reason why we lost we were never going to score that game in, against everton we haven't looked like scoring from open play at all recently so it's just one of them things. It's not, it's not the problem of the referees. The, that penalty wouldn't have mattered. We didn't look like scoring there at all that day. So even if the game had went to 90 minutes, even if there was a second leg at, at, at uh, Goodison the next week, I don't think we'd have scored. So it's, it's just one of them. You can't blame the refs. Well, you can. Look, you can. They're there to be blamed at they should be doing their job better. But it's not the, it's not the reason why we lost the game. It's not the reason why we were in this crisis, as the media keep boating around back home. But I mean, lads, help me out here.
3: <laughs> no, I mean that's I, that, that's it, right? I mean, it's not the reason that we're shite right now. I mean, it's a lot of things. It's no fans, no confidence, fatigue. You know, like lack of squad death because of injuries. It's um, you know, it's.
2: Eighteenth center back. uh, right. Fucking partnership.
3: Yeah, we gotta like you know, if there's eight spokes in a wheel, we got six of them missing, right? So yeah, I don't want to dig into actually let's go with that because
0: I saw the stat. I hope I'm not taking away from one of Parker's stats, but I saw that if Henderson was able to finish the game. That's the longest we have had the same center back duo play together. And that's like like three games or something like that. Something crazy like that. It's like two and a half games or something like that. But so before I spew out numbers that are not totally accurate and specific, uh, Parker. No, you're you're Parker, right about that one. You're yeah. right Parker, about that one. shoot us some uh, stats that, that I know you have.
1: So, yeah, I mean, we. The frustrating thing about this game for me was the fact that we just couldn't convert. We had to. Fifteen shots, six of them on target, to their nine shots total, six on target. We had 72% possession, 693 passes with 87% accuracy. It, it just nothing was falling for us, you know? And the really, really crazy thing about it, too, is... So if we take the Premier League table since Christmas Day and have that be a totally separate table... Oh, Anyone want to take a stab and say which place we'd be in right now? Oh, fuck. Parker. Oh, 16th.
0: God. Oh, oh, stop. I think we're stop. one or two from relegation, right? Somewhere yeah, around there?
1: Any guesses, Jamie? <laughs>
2: 18, 19 sounds about right there. To Jamie's my... crying over there. <laughs> Paul, was,
1: Paul was right on the money. We'd be in 16th place. Jesus. We would be fighting a relegation battle with Sheffield and West Brom.
2: But the good news is, folks, we've got 40 points, so we're safe.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, like, I'm glad you kind of brought that up. And I I actually, like, when Jamie mentioned the media, that's kind of like another one of my pet peeves. And that's why I kind of wanted to talk about, you know, what your guys take on, like, what you guys see in social media too. But it's the oversensitiveness, I should say, of some of the fans in terms of what the media says against us and i mean let's face it i mean i don't know about you guys but i love listening to that shit when united was sucking last year or the year before that and the year before that and That's this a little is bit what of the media does this is what the media does and you know last year it was just fun to sit back and listen to the two robbies just drool over this team or you know uh how like <laughs> You know, like Martino was like, I mean, all of them, you know, like anybody, like Sky Sports, everybody was drooling over this team, rightfully so. They were kicking everybody's ass. But this is what the media likes to do. They like to build you up and they like to beat the shit out of you on the way down as you're going the way down. And I don't think, you know, the whole like going back to the whole like the conspiracy thing. And I'm not, you know, I understand some of it does exist. I'm not dismissing the entire part of it. But I feel like we're kind of being oversensitive to some of the stuff that the media says and stuff. Just because I know it kind of puts us in a shitty mood. And you listen to fucking Tim Howard talk shit on top of everything. And it makes it like even 10 times worse. But I mean, what is your take on that, Paul? I mean, I feel like it's just like natural. We just obviously it, it hurts more when it's your team. But I mean, I was having a good old time watching them rip United's I think it was like last season, the season
3: before. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. Mean, it's been some good times. Like, look, they're selling <laughs> stories, chocolate. right? They're selling stories. So, like last year, the fact that we hadn't won at all in 30 years was the story, in the fact that we were just completely steamrolling the league. So, that's of course what the story was, right? Um, especially given the fact that Manchester City had been largely dominant over the last five seasons, you know, you know with some blips here and there. So, the story this year is obviously the decline and fall of Liverpool a tragedy sells. I mean, it's not like, I don't know. I don't get it. I'm, I, you know, I'm an English major by trade, so it probably is not going to get very far with me just because like, I, I mean, I know what, a, I know what, what journalism in, in, in stories and, and selling that is right. So, I mean, everybody's looking for the narrative that's most interesting. Like, And that's obviously what's happening with us right now. So, like, yeah, it doesn't really bother me outside of the fact that I worry sometimes about how it affects um, the team, you know, how it affects. um, It seems like more so this year than on our rise to the top. Like, it's affected Jurgen a lot just in terms of the fact that he seems – uh, particularly particularly down or frustrated in his press conferences. And I mean, we love Jurgen for the fact that he wears it on his sleeve, right? But he also, like, I think in my mind, he has a better poker face than most people think. And most people know. I always go back to the fact that he looked at the camera dead in the eye less than 24 hours between Allison came and down in Liverpool and said that we weren't in for him. So, I mean, he can he can obviously hold it close to his chest and – and say what he thinks everybody wants to hear. So for for me to see him uh, seem like it's taking a toll on him, that's the only thing that worries about me with media stuff um, over in the UK. But like the actual the actual stories themselves don't really bother me. The reaction by our supporters is honestly pretty predictable. I mean, I, I, like I, I'm not shocked by anything anymore. It's it's annoying and it's hard to see, but like it just is what it is. I think it's always going to be like that.
0: So I mean, I want to like kind of touch on that too, uh, but before you even get to that, Jamie, I, I want to. I mean, obviously you're like a long. I mean, we're all since we're older, uh, we're like a long-term fans and stuff. I mean, what is the most frustrating part to you? I mean, there's so many things to be like obviously you know frustrated about results and play and injuries and all that. But I mean, when you I know Saturday evening when you try to relax after a day like that, what is the part that's like most frustrating to you?
2: Well, it really pissed me off because it was my wife's birthday the day before, she really wanted Liverpool to win. Um, she knows she knows how much it means to me, and it means a lot to her as well. She's she's become a bit of a, a true blooded red as well. But um, in all seriousness, um, we had a great day. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> Liverpool. Um, no, I joke. Um, it's ridiculous. Look, the media have have got it in for us. We're the most hated club in in England. Like that's a fact. We've all we're always and we kind of you know, we kind of wear that badge with a wee bit of pride and everybody used to call Liverpool the victims and all this sort of bullshit sort of surrounding Hillsborough and all that sort of fucking hatred bullshit. Like, so we're, we're easily the most hated club in England and we do enjoy that fact because when all those people were giving us the praise that you were talking about earlier, that must have really fucking hurt them. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah, praise, I know. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. All that
2: praise was coming out of the other side of their face. Like, they're bullshitting. And, and so, we won the, the, a uh, Euro champions, sixth time. And the media were already building us up to win the premier league after that, before a ball was even kicked in the premier league. Like that's how bad the media are. They're whipping up a frenzy before game day one. So they were waiting for this moment uh, for, for even a blip, like they call it a crisis. We're not in a crisis. It's a fucking blip. It's a slump. You, if you're going to put a label on it. It's not going to be a fucking crisis. You know what I mean? So I don't know. The What annoys me the most. I, guess. I was like, that. <laughs>
3: yeah. No, I, I was just, just going to say, I think there's a very interesting uh, comparison between how an American views this and how somebody who's lived overseas over in England in the UK views this. Because, like, Jamie right. had a lot more real world experience with not only the Hillsborough situation, but how people over there in general interact with the socio political stuff that happens with Liverpool and the rest of England, right? Down to Thatcher and all that stuff. In like, Americans are a little bit ignorant to a lot of that. You know, I spent time over there at university, so I, I saw it firsthand. But a lot of us didn't see that. So for for us, we can talk about how it's just, the like, in my opinion, you know, when I talked about it, it's just the media selling stuff. For him, it's more personal because he's seen that firsthand a lot more than a lot of Americans have. It's just interesting to see the two different viewpoints. Yeah. But I what, so I, what gonna... I was
2: really going to say was what really <laughs> what really pissed me off the most was just a feeling that the players didn't give too much of a shit against Everton like and and against Everton it doesn't matter how your fucking season's going They that is their season in a nutshell they've just won the Premier League they celebrated that in the changing rooms loud enough so that we could hear them from our changing rooms that sh- that pissed me off the most you know what I mean
0: yeah I, I think to me it's honestly more than the results and stuff it's probably like the overall reaction and like, I understand totally where Jamie's coming from. I mean, when I was in England, I mean, I only lived there for, like, two years. But, yeah, I mean, you could definitely sense it and know it. And it is – and Paul is right. I don't think a lot of the fan base in the U.S. is really aware of, like, the history behind it, especially, like, politically and stuff like that. And that's that. totally Even understandable.
2: Totally understandable. You yeah. know, the, the people in England don't know the history of Ireland, and it's 30 miles across the ocean, <laughs> you know? <laughs> So that that I'm not judging any American by that. I like oh, by I all think- means I'm open to conversation with with most people, but like I am not a, a great authority. I was born in '85, so you know, like I don't really know that much. I know I've researched it to death and, and been there and 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 went to the celebration of the Hillsborough '96. Like it, I great days out. Those people should never like some tragedy, and the media just portrayed us as the villains, and then. Then, uh, then other fans portrayed us as victims, and and like that's really, like it it's sickening. But
0: and I know, yeah. like you know, for example, you know, I was in Turkey at the time, and yeah, like the the way the news was kind of portrayed to the rest of the world was that like you know, like putting the club at fault and the fans at fault and stuff like that. But I like I say to me, like I totally understand the. I think it hurts a bit more or it kind of affects Liverpool fans a bit more when it comes from the media because they feel like, even if it is not, they feel like that bias has some part of it. Uh, and it probably does. You're probably right. It probably does hurt to say, man, these guys are kicking everybody's ass last year and they might be – it kind of like goes back to me enjoying, you know, United Misery, I guess. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so, what? I mean, to me though personally, like I – the thing that gets to me the most is probably really the fan reaction and like overall that I read and see, I mean, that gets on my nerves more than you already like upset with the score. And I was actually having a conversation with a couple of like Liverpool fans uh, earlier today. And I mean, I don't know, maybe this is just for me or like the individuals I was talking to, but it almost feels like we had Liverpool. We were been kind of spoiled in terms of having Liverpool is a constant positive in your daily life, right? I mean, for the last year and a half, two years or so, I mean, within this pandemic and all this shit going on, people have a lot of stuff going on, you know, I mean, due to the pandemic or like social distancing, not being able to go out, not being able to do this, see loved ones and, you know, everything is distant and all that kind of stuff. I think we all had a constant positive where you were just going to sit down on Saturday and watch the ripple kick some ass. And that was going to be, you know, like, you know, that was going to be your highlight of the weekend at least. And you were like, you were looking forward to that. And I feel like we've kind of gotten so used to that. And then it suddenly turned into a negative over the last month and a half, which I personally feel is why there is this ridiculous overreaction. Or am I just being too naive? People are just jerks, Paul.
3: Uh, no, I don't think you're being naive at all. I I agree with you. You know, I don't have a whole lot to add to that. I think you're right. I think we, we got used to, we got used to the good times. Right. I mean, in like, you know, we talked about this a little bit last year where it's like, like, even when we were winning, it was like, oh, well, we should have like, you know, we got lucky. We should have won four nil. Like we can't depend on like, let's say, well, yeah, that's what good teams do. They, you know, they make their own fortune. They win one nil on a bad bounce or mistake, you know? Even, like, this year we did that when, like, Salah scored on, you know, the giveaway. It's like, well, yeah, well, we got – that's what what good teams do. That's what good players do. They capitalize on mistakes, you know. And I think that, yeah, we just – I think that we've just lost a lot of perspective, right? I mean, the sky's not falling, like There's a real legitimate concern now um, for me that we miss out on top four. Right. And I think that's where the fear and the panic is going to start to set in. And when we look at that, like, you know, post-Christmas form and I'm like, oh shit, what does that mean financially for this club? If we don't hit top four. And I think that's where the panic in in, in the fear is. But um, I also want to be grounded in the reality of what these kids are going through and and these guys in general. I mean, they've, they've, it's been two and a half years of pedal to the metal for these guys with a lot of heavy, heavy minutes, especially for our front three. And like we said, the guts of this team has been ripped out from a, from a player personnel and from a leadership perspective. And any depth that we acquired, you know, we, we, we acquired depth for this. I mean, we, it's just not there. You know, it's not there either because, like, they're injured or because we decided to loan them to Southampton. I don't know.
0: gotta go dick to the youth team again it's i don't know that's i think like the biggest frustration i i see like almost like a lot of overreactions and it's okay to criticize performances i mean you can have different ideas on tactics i mean we're all i mean none of us are making the calls none of us have all the information but You know, it's like assholes. We all have opinions. And this is, I mean, there's four of us here, you know, like throwing out ideas, but, uh, and that's fine. And then it's just like the ridiculous overreactions, like, like money didn't become shit over fucking like last 30 days. Remind me to mark this podcast explicit, by the way, because even I'm swearing, so it's pretty rough. Uh, So, I mean, he didn't become crap over like 30 days. Bobby didn't just become crap. uh, Those are the kind of overreactions I think come to me. And then the total reverse of that is people who think everything is great because everything is not great. I mean, obviously there are problems. And so anybody who criticizes a performance or – anything negative becomes labeled plastic, which is like my favorite word now, which nobody has a definition of. So Jamie, I'm going to start with you. If I I don't think you ever, I don't know. I've never seen it. If you're post calling anybody plastic, but I'm sure you've been labeled plastic at one point or two uh, with certain people or not. But even if you have not give me a definition of something you see. And in the back of your head, you're like, this is a plastic fan. well,
2: you see, the Irish have always used that term, um, and it's been leveled at certain Irish people who have lived in England, and they were called plastic patties, meaning you're not really a patty, you were born in England to Irish parents, which, you know, that's, that's a debate that gets talked about a lot in America, and whether or not, like, let's say, for instance, I've moved to America now, I've been in America six years, when my, when my eventual hypothetical children are born, um, They'll be American, but they'll also be Irish. You know, that's it's a very hard thing to, to talk about nationality. Everybody's proud of it. But that term plastic patty was definitely used a lot to Irish people living in England. So it is it's a it's a jibe. It's derogatory. Um, It's not a very nice thing to say because you're making a judgment on someone. And, you know, look, folks, it's 2021 here. It's not a nice thing to do. So, I mean, look. Everybody has their feelings in a, in a twist, their panties in a twist, and it's, it's a shit time. It's not a fucking crisis. And you know what? I, I'm, Liverpool kind of made me into the internal optimist sometimes. And, you know, it's just like we are spoiled, blah, 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 all the rest of it. But, like, of course I'd love to see Liverpool finish as high as they could this year. But worst, if the worst happens and we don't get Europe, so fucking what a a club like liverpool fc should be able to handle that hit and come back strong like 2005 we won the champions league Two 2005 2006 we won the champions league 2006 2007 don't know who won um as stevie gerrard said he was probably still pissed from 2005 so was i but then we were in the final 2008 2009 and that was you know we weren't doing great in the league there either but like a, a club like us can always Pull it out of the bag in Europe. Like even this year, it's not off the books. Even though our form is fucking horrific, it's not out of the cards yet. Like we, we've we've done well against Leipzig in the first league and the first game. Which our podcast is very good. Uh, listen to it, by the way. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's mad, mad times.
0: I think. I mean, my concern. And I don't know if like Paul, that's what Paul means here as well, but. Um it's more about finances and are we going to be able to reinforce the squad knowing that champions league money is not coming in. That's probably my main concern about not making top four. Otherwise there's no difference between being second and fourth or whatever. And then hopefully give it a good run in champions league. But, you know, don't want to be that team that kind of like makes these cup runs, but it's kind of like does not have a deep enough squad or a quality enough spot squad to kind of give the title a run every year. Yeah. So, Park, so let's start with Paul. And I want to go to Parker with that too, because he's the, you know, he's very active on social media as well. So Paul, when you see like the plastic fan label and stuff, I mean, what does that mean to you? Or, you know, what do you, do you consider to be a plastic fan?
3: I guess off the top of my head, plastic just has to do to me, it has to do with loyalty. Like, I think when I hear plastic fan, it's a fan who follows, uh, who doesn't necessarily like who, who basically pledges allegiance to a club based on their acquisitions and their winning. Like, and then you, you know what I mean? Cause I mean, we have some of that here in the States with other sports, like, and we talked about this a little bit last spot, how like the next, the generation coming up in sports doesn't seem to follow teams as much as they do follow players. And so I see that a little bit, especially when, you know, when we get a team that like, you know, we acquire stars from different countries. So when I see, when I see plastic for me, it's like, when somebody who's commenting on Liverpool board as a Liverpool fan doesn't seem to recognize or appreciate quality outside of just direct winning, right. Or who sees the team as just merely plug and play by acquisition acquisition. You know, we should buy X player, this player, this player, um, and not really tying that to the reality of the club. Like whether it makes sense from a financial standpoint, whether it's a tactical fit, uh, you know, like all those things that, requires some sort of base level knowledge of the club and how that stuff works. Like that to me seems to be what I sort of, uh, align with somebody being sort of a plastic supporter. Um, I don't like to, I don't like to go out and use that term just because I don't think it makes, it doesn't help a situation. Um, and I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. I think people can be new to a team and fall in love with the team and grow with the team, even if they're coming from another club. Um, so, I mean, I think, you know, old school, old school sentiment that you see with old UK guys online is that if you weren't born within three miles of Anfield, you shouldn't be commenting on it. Right. So obviously that doesn't really float with me. Um, But yeah, it's more about that sort of uh, constantly looking over the fence at at other, other players and other teams and not really focused on um, what's happening inside of our own club. If that makes any sense. But yeah, I mean, yeah. Like we talked and it's this damn new,
0: Parker's new generation over here that's causing all these problems. So, Parker, why the hell are you guys just following players on that teams, like Paul said?
1: Um, because of the Michael Jordans, LeBron James's, the stuff like that. Who are um, they?
0: What's it?
2: <laughs> I mean, it's like, it,
1: it, and I'm going to get to a point, too, that Paul sort of made, Um, but. You know, we, my generation grew up with Michael Jordan being this superstar, God-tier athlete in movies and on TV, and then there was Shaq, then there was Kobe, then there was LeBron, and on, and on, and on, and on. We grew up with that, and I think that's a lot of the issue as to why, is that kids will just plug and play that same thing into somewhere else. So, it, you know, it might be the Messi, it might be the Ronaldo, you know, someone probably a little more mobile than one of them, too. But I, I would say that's probably part of it, is just because, you know, we grew up with these media-sensationalized superstars, and now we have people following them over the teams they're on. Um, My other point I wanted to make was about Paul saying that, you know, kids thinking that um, any player can just plug and play in it. Um, Me and my friends, we call them FIFA kids. You know, kids that look at the sport like it's FIFA Ultimate Team or if it's FIFA, you know, career mode where, oh, yeah, I just buy the Mbappe card. It fits in there and it works and my team's great. When in reality, synergy doesn't work like that. Teams don't work like that. People don't work like that. It's not as easy as just Gibbs money, make player work. You know, it's not not that simple. And uh, I think that a lot of people think it is just because they see the end product of it. They see Mo Salah gets signed. Mo Salah performs really well, Goes on.
0: Just go get another you know, Mo. I mean, how hard oh, is right, it Right, exactly. Some-
1: and, yeah. you know, they don't realize that for every Mo Salah we buy, there's 50 different players that we took a pass on. And I, I think that that's something that there's not really a cure, per se, to that. There's no way to solve that because, you know... Obviously, with that whole process of selecting a player and spending, you know, tens of millions of pounds on that player, you know, there's a lot of corporate type stuff. There's a lot of internal stuff that goes on that we're never going to know about. Like, um, God, who's the player that we were going to pick up and they failed the medical? They had like pictures of him in the Liverpool kit and everything. Facker. Thank you. You know we're never gonna know what fully happened with that you know there's the rumor that was a knee injury and <laughs> it's substantiated that's great yes. awesome we don't know that's if that's the, right. the truth he could have turned out turned up and just been a complete dickhead and we wouldn't get told that because all of the agents his agents the club's lawyers all this other stuff none of that's gonna get out he should have signed somebody from ireland there's plenty of feckers i know but but like provide
0: a scouting list of these guys
1: but But like seriously though like it's it's not going to be something that's going to be easily changed without just drilling into people's heads like it's not that simple there's a lot more to it that you will never know
0: Oh, I, I mean, and I don't. You think, have to be
1: accepting of that.
0: I don't think it's ever gonna change. I think we're just kind of headed your direction over here. Uh, like you know, it it is because of the media. I mean, like you mentioned superstars, and it's like funny you mentioned that because you know, like you name specific names, and and obviously you know, like as follow sports, even even Jamie knows Shaq and stuff. I'm sure, right? Yeah, of course. But like okay. you know, so, like we know these guys, but we have superstars. I mean, I was just to you know, that, like yeah.
2: Muhammad Ali's, and and. <laughs> certain and but they and weren't course.
1: they weren't made right, as exactly. such media
2: overnight instantaneous coverage like they thing. had to wait for a week and, and read the newspaper off somebody who bought it maybe somebody <laughs> down the road somebody down but the road like, bought the newspaper even, and it was shared around maybe you got it a month later
1: even beyond that like you wouldn't see muhammad ali having this huge media event for i'm moving to this place like we did with lebron when he went to miami and sold out a whole ass stadium and everything
2: i don't know when muhammad ali went to africa he he he, he met nelson mandela the the, the rumble but, the okay German that's i mean
1: that's that's meeting a incredibly important famous political figure but there was that's n- a little different tons thing. Of
2: people there like the I media think, everyone was there you know like it was-
0: i think it's just not as i mean obviously things were not as commercialized and as we move forward it's only going to be more right. and more commercialized so you better save money kids because those jerseys will be a hundred bucks soon. Then it'll be 150 bucks. <laughs> then you'll have to like, you know, like do a layaway plan and stuff like that over the, especially election. if you want
2: players names on the
0: back. I mean, come <laughs> yeah. On. Yeah. So I jerseys names already just to
2: like be that charged by letter. So, you. <laughs> I that's why I never had my name on the back of my shirt. <laughs> Mulholland. Like, uh, geez, I'm not going to spend two pounds a letter on that fucking thing.
1: Just go, go the Brazilian route. Go by just Jamie. Yeah, Trent. No, Trent. Fuck so, that. Parker, just give us the answer to your... No,
2: Trent's but definitely going to be on right.
0: the list. And therefore, did we all get it right?
1: Paul, you were so close.
0: Damn you, Paul.
2: But
1: just a little bit off.
0: I guess... Hold on. Hold on. Let me guess you were wrong.
2: There's no way i <laughs> Was Trent
3: alive?
2: Oh. Did
3: you guess, Trent? Damn. you didn't guess, Trent. Oh, you can't change now. You jumped on the ball once. Sorry, Trent. That's what you get for being on the team so damn long. Oh, nope. Parker
1: says nope. Trent was born in... I had this pulled up on my phone, and now it's it's gone. Trent was born before 2001. Or 2000, whichever one it was. However, born after that... Was Kaba, yeah, no, Curtis Jones, and Neco Williams.
2: Ah,
3: yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you're close, but Trent's just barely right. too old. Oh no way! It was 1999 that we last lost to them at home, and Trent was born in '98. Wow. And did had, had you mentioned Kaba? Because I I totally forget that kid. He's so young too. Because.
0: Cause he's been around for a long time too. It feels like to me, I mean, obviously it's new to everybody here, but you know, being from Turkey, I've heard his name for so long. It's kind any of like Kurdish. Yeah. Any
2: football manager fans know who Kabak is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so speaking of Kabak, uh, let's talk very briefly about this coming weekend. Uh, do we go Jamie's route and see if we hit the wall hard enough or do we change something? So, Paul, I'll take your guess. I mean, we obviously have to change something. I don't know if Fab is going to be back. Or do we just plug Fab where Handel was and keep going? Or do we hold the line?
3: So, if Fab's back, I hope he's in the midfield because I actually think this is a great game for Phillips to be back in the back line. I mean, he's he's a monster in the air and he's a big boy. And Sheffield don't have a ton of pace up front, you know? I mean, they've got some tricky players that kind of play in advanced midfield positions. Lundstrom can cause some problems. But, again, he's a big guy. So, I mean, I I personally think that this is kind of set up nicely for a uh, Kavak-Phillips pairing in the back. What do you think, Jamie?
2: Yeah, I'll buy that. Um, As long as Nabi Kaida doesn't get to touch the grass, I think we'll be okay. Um, (laughs) Because I think I might just break down if we have another injury. And seeing him on the bench last week was terrifying. Uh, I hope we take our time with him. Um, but, yeah, I'm all up for Paul's idea at the back. We, we've got to start. Um, we should have started last week. Let's hope we've got two centre-backs at centre-back.
0: I thought we were taking our time with him, and even though he was ready, he's finally on the bench, no? I mean, I don't know how much time we need. We had to well, probably wait until At like least 20, a week more. Always. At least a week more. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> Instant repeat. You know it's wild to me? I'll tell you what's wild to me is the amount of people that are calling for Davies to play. I'm like, look, dude, like, I know that, like, here's my thing, man. Like this guy is a championship player that we bought brought in. Like, why do we think that he's better than Phillips already? Like, we don't know that. And why do we like Phillips has been pretty good. every time he's been out for the most part, I mean, he lacks a little pace, but. Like and then starting him over at Kabak is just crazy to me. That kid's twenty. He's got loads of international experience. And he's coming from Bundesliga. Like I don't, I don't get all the calls for Davies. I'd be curious to see what I you guys. I originally
2: thought that he's a little bit older than come back. I thought he would have hit the ground running, and I thought Klopp might have started him before Kabak. Um Kabak's obviously a better pedigree player, but I think with Klopp's attention to detail and training, I think that he's been playing more football recently and up against a, a certain rough and tumble style in the championship. So I think, honestly, I, I, I had high hopes for the lad. Um, I, I do want to see him play in a red shirt. I, I want to see how, how good his caliber is um, because Undoubtedly, our training system and playing with our players, he's going to get better. Um, and he's only twenty-three or something like that, right?
0: So, if both are available, uh, are you picking Davies, Jamie? A uh, Davis?
2: No, no, I, no, I wouldn't. Yeah. No, if both are av- if both are available, it, it's got to be Nat Phillips, just for his his height and um, he's played in our shirt. You know, he like let's not have another centre back partnership. That's uh, you know those people who uh, who have said that Davies should probably get. Get the start. I've probably got money riding on it.
0: <laughs> I, I feel like that's more like the shiny toy syndrome. Like, hey, we bought this new guy. It goes back to you know what yeah. Parker is talking about. Yeah, I just bought this card and Ultimate Team. Let me use that guy first, kind of thing. I just feel because I mean, nobody has watched them realistically. I mean, out of all the people asking for him, maybe five percent is probably like a high estimate on people who physically watch them. I mean, I know I haven't. So to make you know to call for his name. Over Phillips, I feel like it's just only like a shiny toy syndrome. That's all I can think of. I have,
2: I, mean, I have heard lots of good things about him. Like when we first signed him, I did watch a YouTube video. And it was just this one guy who was um, a Preston North End fan. Just answering all of Liverpool's questions. Like this entire YouTube thread was just all Liverpool people asking this one person. Who was a diehard fan of Preston North End. And said, we've got a real good player on our hands. So, I mean, look, this kid might be blowing smoke up our ass this His
3: brother so i want to believe it i can make a youtube video myself look really good going to the will yeah, answer good... questions about paul there's <laughs> that video. classic
1: video that uh i think henderson made in like high school yeah, it was, of him and his buddies yeah. <laughs> doing trick shots um, it was a
2: media project that he
1: done yeah and it is the most cringe thing i've ever seen but it's incredible <laughs> it's it's a it, it's a perfect video for the time it really is yeah. um but davies he's 25 um and my big thing with him is why would we spend money to full-on buy him if he's just gonna sit on the bench and let henderson get hurt who's playing out of position
2: i think this is a, a reminder
1: buy- as far as i know and Feel free to chime in if this has been updated. But last I saw they're still awaiting another scan for Hendo.
3: Yeah, well, here's the thing on that, right? So even if you bought him and you don't want to you want to play him so that you don't have Henderson back there, I still think you're picking Phillips yeah. over him. I think he was bought as additional depth, right? I think because I think they thought they needed another guy to compete with Reese Williams, who clearly they think highly of, but is probably not ready. And I think Nat Phillips was being shopped before this year. So they're likely, you know, he's likely looking to get first team football after this year. He's not going to get it with Liverpool. So I think they bought him with the fact that he was going to be additional debt and then they could possibly move him up the, the chart next year. The other thing is, we got him for nothing. He puts a Liverpool shirt on, his value goes up 300% well, in the transfer. Celtic market. and Lester, So, like, Celtic it's and Leicester like were already
0: things. in for
2: him. They, were, they had the game tapped up. He, had, he was 13 million and 10 million. So we, I don't know how we managed to sneak under the radar and go, hey, we're Liverpool. Here's two million. Come on with us. And it just happened. So I think I think it was a really good time that we did buy him. Um, it's a shame that we didn't get him in January and he didn't get a chance to learn our system quick enough, which is why he's probably not playing right now. If he did sign 1st of January and he's been learning our system with Nat Phillips and, and other centre-backs who know our system, because that's the other thing that we've said on this podcast, is like these players are learning our system without a teacher there's no center back beside him there's no recognized center back beside him to go hey look you're doing this wrong or you need to be talking more or you need to be closer to the left hand side closer to me closer to the right hand side whatever like you know jordan henderson's great but he's he's no center back coach (laughs) you know what i'm saying
0: no i think that's a good point i mean it's just kind of especially in a position like that where they kind of you know you set the line and everything like that there's a lot of responsibility to go with it. Uh, it's almost, you know, like a middle linebacker that gets the calls on, like, football and stuff, you know, For as we teach different sports to Jamie over here. But, uh, you know, so, yeah, it is, like, an important spot. And, I, you know, yeah, I, I think Paul makes a good point, though, because if you're watching Phillips, I can see a lot of teams that his pace will not be an issue for being... You know interested in him and saying like hey this kid is pretty good and raising his label and same thing with davies maybe we'll just sell him to gerard that's you know like triple the price and make some extra cash on the side if oh celtic will else. love that <laughs> 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 so let's go around and get some now that we were successful last week for god's sakes but let's go get some uh, score predictions parker let's start with you against sheffield what are we doing what's the final score
1: I'm going to go with <laughs> 2 no. and they're just going to be really dumb goals. We're not going to get to see any worldies. We're not going to see anything exciting, and sexy. It's just going to be maybe a tap in here, maybe a header off the defense's leg or something.
0: Hey, I'll take any freaking win at this point. I, mean, I don't care if it same. bosses off somebody's ass, but
1: I don't. Um, I don't blame you there one bit. <laughs>
3: Paul, what you got? Uh yeah. two nil, same score line. I'll go with two penalties. Although we should have had five, but three of them were tuned by laws. <laughs> we get Jamie started. Hold on. <laughs> I, I'd
2: honestly, just like you, Timurjan. I'd take a one nil. I'd take a life or death, nil nil to the 89th minute. Uh, i take a, a crap OG. I'd take an overturned VAR. I'll take anything that gives me grey hairs. More of them. The more, the better. Um, give me more of this ultimate depressing, maddening season. <laughs> Line me up. Inject it into my veins. Why not? Oh, boy. It can only last 38 games. Fuck me. Let's get this season over, lads. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's... Mean- mean- <laughs> I'm going to go with, so you guys are going kind of uh, low on this one. I'm going to go with 3-1. Uh, I still think uh, somebody sneaks, sneaks a goal in, but I'm going with 3-1. I feel like we'll have a whole week to prepare, uh, regardless of who's playing. We'll be better set. And in addition field, I'm sure they're kind of, you know, thinking this is their shot as well. But I say we get a 3-1 win. Hopefully we're right this week, damn it, because last week we thought we were going to win, and it's kind of like flopped. But... Well, gentlemen, one quick question, uh, on this, though, uh,
1: to I mean, pose to the listeners. And this might be more of a question for later down the line, but at what point do we stop trying for that top fourth place and give it all towards the Champions League? Or is there a point for that? Yeah. I- I'd be interested to hear my people quick in the answer comments. Would be:
0: My quick answer would be no, not, no point for that, just because of the financial reasons. But. Yeah, just comments and let us know yeah. what you guys think. I would like to know, like, the, you know the case behind saying you know, when, to be honest.
2: I would say Klopp. Club like, like we said, when we, we went in the league, we had 73 points at this stage last season, and he was asked, oh, are you going to win the league this year? I'd say, no, we take it one game at a time. And that's, that's got to be the, the same response from Klopp. That's what I would say. But that's not me.
3: <laughs> no, I'm in with that. Mm-hmm. I'm with in with that. I think it's a very good point. I don't. I don't think that you ever. I don't think that you ever give up on top four. uh That's just my personal opinion. But I know that I've seen. Yeah, I've that's seen what part is talking about. I've seen people. The exact reason about, why hey, I go win the Champions League. Yeah, like I mean, we can't continue to focus on the league with the squad depth we have and still hope to advance in the Champions League. So I mean, that's the argument this people is, are making. Is that this is not the 2005
2: no, Liverpool league team, no. folks? fucking hate to break it to you right
3: no yeah. i agree with you i agree with you largely i'm saying that's what right, that, exactly. that's what the argument yeah. is jimmy
2: traore i left laugh back
3: <laughs> there's no crisis damn it.
0: let's <laughs> <laughs> just keep going along or sorry well, he was a center back wasn't he <laughs> gentlemen thank you for joining me this week hopefully next week we'll sit down after a win and then figure out how to win the next one after that solve more world problems and the problems of the new generation and everything like that. And thank you all for listening. Uh, Don't forget to turn on, tune in, and cop out with the American Scouser podcast. See you guys next week.